Basketball fans, welcome back to the Living in Loserville podcast. He's Aaron, I'm Chris, and we're here to talk some good old-fashioned Minnesota Timberwolves basketball. We will have a gopher segment. They're actually playing at 8 o'clock. I thought they put in a pretty good effort the last two games, so we'll hopefully, well, that'd be great. They're like 13.5-point underdogs. That'd be great to pull off an upset, but... This team really just needs another win for morale in general. They've had a lot of injuries of late. They've had a lot of young players. They had that where they missed games because of COVID. They also had they missed the game because at Michigan State because of a, a school shooting. So it's just been all crazy for them. But we will talk a little Gophers hoops to close the show. Um, we're going to give our kind of thoughts and recaps of the last two games. Kind of a nutshell of what the season's been. Get up for a, a high-level team, play down to the competition. Not that the Wizards are like Detroit or some bad team with a bad record or whatever, just super, super young, because they're not. And they took it to us in the first time we played them. But, you know, when you're up with that lead, it, it, it's just rough, man. So we'll talk a little bit about that and some of the bad habits that we got here. we got to tighten up on, no doubt about it. I also I have it written down, Rudy, Rudy, Rudy. He is playing at a high level on both sides. We'll talk a little bit about that. How Conley has fit in with him has been pretty impressive and exactly what we need so we don't have to kind of shell. Those two will get easy buckets uh, just be, because they have so much experience together. Um, the need to close out quarters, whether we're winning the game or not, no matter who we're playing, that is another big key that will go. And then, of course, you know, We'll just kind of talk it through and then preview the two games that we have Friday and Sunday, I believe. And then Monday we'll do the show as well. So we'll, we'll, we'll recap that and pretty fresh off that. Um, and then, like I said, the little gopher segment as well. If this is your first time listening to the Living in Loserville podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash rope and dope radio. Um, however, you don't have to go to Blog Talk and Rope It Up and download the show directly there. You can find it in a variety of places. If you want to listen to the this basketball podcast here with the Tim Wilson Gophers on Ro- under the Rope It Up Radio brand, it's on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Player FM, TuneIn, um, Spricker, Google Podcasts, yada, yada, yada. We have uh, um, uh, um, a strict oh, – God damn, I always fuck this up. i got to write this down. Uh, we were on Spotify as well. I definitely want to mention that because Aaron is on Spotify and he posts on there. Check it out. And we have the Living in Loserville page as well. Um, well one more thing, it, you know, head on over to the, the gruelingtruth.com and Sports News 24. Um, I got something that you may want to think about if you're thinking about cable. Get your TV together without the hassle of cable. This is direct TV stream, of course. Stream the best entertainment and sports starting with 75-plus live channels. For a limited time, you could save $120 over the first year when you get any of the packages and buy the direct TV streaming device. There's no annual contracts, no hidden fees. Sign up today, plus learn how to get premier channels included for the first three months with qualifying packages. That's direct TV stream. Okay. Let's go ahead and bring in the co-host to the show, Aaron. And obviously, you know, Mother Nature and Old Man Winter's not done with us 
get here up in Minnesota. We got, you know, over like a 72-hour span. It sounds like there's possibility for parts, like kind of the middle of Minnesota, to have upwards of 20 inches of snow. Um, and then it dips way down to like a negative like 13 as a low, at least in the cities. Um, and then it'll pop right back up and we'll be fine. But February, man, late February uh, is usually nothing nice. And, you know, it looks like it's not going to be anything nice. No, February's it for me. I mean, at, at, I can live with snow, ice, cold, all that stuff till the end of February. And then I start getting antsy. I want to get outside. And, you know, mm. March is usually not a heck of a lot better, but at least it's not February. I like to put that behind me for the year. And speaking of putting it behind you, there is a, you know, we go out, Chris, and play Dallas. And that's an exciting game, you know. Um didn't know what to, you, know, you and I thought. You know, it probably a loss on the on the column there. Uh, but you know, they go and they they shock us with a great defensive stand at the end, uh, and they win that game. And so you think you're on cruise control uh, with Washington, and just didn't turn out to be the case. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is kind of crazy. They got off. You know, McDaniel's gotten a. Two for two early falls, but they they stayed with them, which I thought that was um, pretty key to that game. Uh, you saw Rudy active early. Ant was super aggressive. I think he had like eighteen or twenty in that first half. He's done that now, or first quarter, I should say. He's done that for a while. But Rudy had an N one. He was four for four, had nine points. Um, you know, Nas came off the bench for him. You know, had a dribble drive N one. Back-to-back layups, then draws a foul for Ant. Uh, I mean, it, it was looking great, man. 33 to 23 uh, in the first quarter with Dallas, and then we—I mean, it exploded. By the time it was in the third quarter, 77 to 57. I think the largest lead after a 12-3 run was the 85 to 60. So, um, but you know, a couple things. Playing down to your competition, playing up to, to, to you know, a better co- competition team, and then just giving up leads no matter who we're playing. And I think there is a minor difference of giving up the lead against Washington and how that game played out. And in the fourth quarter, yeah, we gave up a ton of points, don't get me wrong, 39-24. to 24, And 35-28, to 28, I think, was that in the second but or in the third. But Kyrie had 36 points on the game, 26 of them came in the fourth so you know and there was times where they would get way back in the game and, and Ant did get his fourth fall uh late in the third so they did rest them a little bit longer than they normally would um but you know Lucas started going off Kyrie was going off and the thing is I don't know it was like a like with four minutes left we pushed the lead um I think to like 11 but it just it, it didn't feel as bad because you know, do what's going off, you know. Luca and him were taking turns, but Kyrie, when you get 26 points in a quarter, it's going to be tough not, you know, to win that quarter, obviously, but just in general. But the way they closed it down the stretch, and then, you know, the great defense by first McDaniels tipping the ball, making it tough on Luca, and then Ant and McDaniels going back and forth with Luca and Kyrie, you know, the best backcourt, especially offensively, um, you know, in the league now. I mean, that was fun to see those two both teaming up to the point where they didn't even get a shot off. 
Kyrie and Luka didn't get a shot off. Now, sure, you know, in a month or something like that, they'll probably know who's going to take that shot because it did seem like they were kind of, you know, de- de- deterring to each other. But, yeah, man, to come right back and you get this early lead. Dude, it was 30-10 to 10 at the 432 mark against Washington. And it ended up 36 to 21 and had another 18 points. You know, the Wolves were up like 49 to 33, like midway, only up by 10 at half. Um, the lead pretty much shrunk really quick. <clears throat> and then the, it was like 70 to 40 or 70 to 64 midway. And then, you know, before you know it, it's just, I don't know. It's like they, Washington would make a run, but then we'd make an 11-2 run. And, and so, I don't know. I think that we were falling a little bit too much. Ant was going off. You know, he got to the free throw line a bunch, too. I think at the end of the third, he had 25 points, and, and I think he was six from six or something like that. But then the fourth quarter comes along. And like I said, Kyrie's one thing, or Luka, whoever, is going to score like that. But you still got to score points, you know, to, to – you know, lose the the quarter. Okay, no big deal. But thirty eight to nineteen, it just it, it's crazy, dude. And, and it, I don't know, man. It, it was pretty pretty freaking bad. I mean, early on, all of a sudden it was eighty nine to eighty one, eighty nine eighty six before you knew it, and it forced us to call a timeout. And McDaniel's hit a three, pushed it to ninety five eighty eight, and then Bradley Beal went off. He was up to like twenty five or twenty six when we were kind of containing him. Um, Anderson, here's an example. Anderson got a quick fight. It was 99-95. Anderson got a layup bucket, right, on a nice possession. But just a, a couple seconds later, they score. Easy layup, transition bucket. And it was like, dude, it's like we didn't even do anything. I think Beal went for like 12 straight points. And um, we got sloppy down the stretch. Um, didn't play hard enough for some rebounds. I will say this, the zone – Gave us some issues there, but I think our poor defense uh, gave us plenty of issues. And had a great game, but did kind of down the stretch. I think he missed four out of his last five shots. And, and that's not the end of the world, of course. But the three out of the four shots he missed were three-pointers. So I thought he, he didn't have to settle like that. But some of that was the zone in him not being able to drive as much there and getting rid of the ball a little bit earlier. But point being, we would have been the sixth seed going into break. And if the Clippers lost, we would have been the fifth seed. And there's just like a good vibe with that, you know. And especially, Aaron, when you have two days of practice, two days off of not playing a game, considering our schedule this last month, five weeks, there's just no excuse for it. And the shit's just getting old, man. It is. You know, you said a lot there, and I'm kind of taking it all in. But uh, you had – bits of encouragement, you know, because you're in this phase with Conley joining and you're thinking, okay, well, what are we going to mold into here um, with this squad? And you kind of saw a really good version of it in Dallas where you're like, okay, this is working. You know, it's Conley and Gobert. That's working out finally getting some offensive utility out of uh, Gobert, you know, and out of that, you're going to get, you know, Edwards and, and uh, McDaniels lively defense. And they came out to play and, uh, you know, Kyrie and Luca, that's a nice little twosome once they get their thing together and to get out in front of that and beat them, you know, you start to think to yourself, okay, well, I kind of see the vision. It does make sense. I want to see what happens. 
Uh, and then you go back to like Wolves of old and you start to, you know, you're giving up leads in the fourth. You know, I can't count how many games over the last, you know, 15, 10 years where it's been Wolves with a big lead after three and end up losing by two, end up losing by three, losing by five. And I'm not saying we're back into that, uh, you know, uh, we're back into that pattern, but we are, you know, still doing that. Now, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. It's, you know, less than five games with Connolly. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm not sure that's the reason, Chris. I think a lot of what you pointed out is the reason defensive lapses, uh, offensive, uh, you know, missing shots, missing close shots, uh, free throws, et cetera, you know, just usual things. But I want to say that's going to get ironed out, but you never really know with this franchise, but you got to give him the benefit of the doubt. And I'm here to do that. Nonetheless, you know, we thought we'd be one and one, and it's just the reverse of the one and one that we thought we would be. Um, yeah. And, you know, it is something because you got, you know, Western Conference, Eastern Conference thing, but, you know, a lot of people are saying, you know, you got to kind of hope for the play in this year um, because of the change and, 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 you know, Lakers might improve and, you know, Phoenix Gold is going to get healthy and make a run. Gold State's going to get healthy. Phoenix is going to integrate Durant, and that can only help them. Yeah. Um, but I, I just not in that boat. I mean, I still think you go for a seed here because if you play in, you got to play the Lakers and blah, blah, blah. That's the conversation for down the line. But with these two games, it's like it's Wolves in a nutshell, Chris. It's, you know, like you said, rise to the competition, fall to the competition. And you'd think you'd get a little more steady with a – extreme veteran point guard who might be able to settle things down, but maybe we're just not there yet as far as the mesh is concerned. And, you know, I want to hope for the best here. Um, You know, I wasn't that attached to uh, to Russell. I, I, I did get used to him and I started thinking, okay, well, you can work with this guy, but I, I think I like it a little better with Connolly. And I know he's a quick fix or a bandaid guy. He might not be here for too long due to his age now, more yeah. than anything else. But, uh, I kind of like that direction. It makes me think, okay, well, maybe get a young point guard that can kind of do what Connolly does and continue in this direction because everybody's saying you got to salvage the Gobert trade uh, somehow or another. And I don't think it was a disastrous trade. I mean, if you look at it, uh, Utah moved everybody we gave them. They cut yeah. Balmero, and they moved everybody else. Um, but besides I'd say, game, you know, yeah. if I was uh, – uh, the GM, I forget his name all the time now because there's Connolly. It's Connolly. Oh, oh, yeah, <laughs> there's yeah, two yeah. Connollys. Yeah, but I, I would, speaking of Danny H, just you know, I would block him. Just block him off. <laughs> yeah, talk right. to him anymore. <laughs> this guy's bad news for you. Uh, just leave him alone. Um, but you know, I think you can make. I don't think it's a salvage situation. Is my point. I just think you have to integrate these pieces, and that might take you know the rest of this season, possibly the off season, to actually get things integrated in the way, in the direction that you want. Because if you have Gobert, you have to adapt to it. I know this is way off a tangent of two games, but it's just kind of the thing about the Timberwolves, man. I don't want to see us get into a, you know, another get to know them phase and you start moving people. I don't think that's going to happen. You know, just to, yeah. to top it all off, Chris, is where is Cat? Where is he, man? Uh, you can't really say you got your full compliment until you integrate Cat into this. Well, it was an eight to 12 weeks uh, injury. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't be like, where is he? Like he's milking it or something. I'm not saying you're applying that, but, um, but, but that, 
and, and that that's the layers of all this stuff, right? Like, I, I get that some of these – we talked about last week how when we don't have D'Lo the, a score, especially when Cat was gone, we actually, you know, activated him to be that score in December and in, in January and a good part of February. It's going to be touch and feel here without Cat coming back because then it's like and – and I know people were down on Conley on one game because he didn't score any points. He was 0 of 6. He did get six assists, no turnovers. But, you know, down the stretch, uh, you know, when you get zero points, it does – sure, it, it bugs you a little bit. But I just think there's that in the West right now, right? Everything is so tight that that's what we were talking about last week and even the week before when you look at the stretch. Like, we do need Cat back by, like, the Laker game probably, which is three games from now. Um, other And that's March 3rd, so it gives them a full – time frame to be like, all right, we're, that, I think that'd be 13 weeks by then. So it, it, he should be back by then. And one game, he's just going to be like questionable. We're going to see the, the, the questionable thing. And all of a sudden you're like, okay, if he's questionable, he's probably going to start tonight, you know, because he's already been working on that. But to your point, we do need him back though, because, uh, you know, we can sit there and blame some of this on not having cat against teams we should beat, because that could be the night he's like, give me the ball. I'm going to get to the line. I'm going to go for 30. You guys need that extra boost tonight? That's I'm the guy. And, and So I think there is something to be said about that. No doubt he's an all-pro player. He has been named that like three out of his seven years. But there's just – especially when it's a poor team and you, you still have the talent to beat them. Or like you said, we're already in a game where we're up against, yeah, a, a bubble team, I guess you could call it, um, a playing team in the East. But they don't have a winning record. And – and we should be pretty mad at him for what they did to us last time. So some of it's, we don't, you know, the cat excuse, some of it, there is no excuse. Some of it is on the players for, you know, being like lackadaisical. There's just no doubt about that. Getting up for certain things, not worrying about other ones. Some I'll say is Finch not calling plays. I will say this, a lot of people, and this is a, not a new trend. We did this last year. We did that the about a half a year before that, but especially last year, we did some of that. We did some of that. Now, last year it felt like, especially in the second half of the season, we beat the teams we were so supposed to beat. But Finch, I'll say this, his timeout thing, instead of letting it go in like a 15-2 to two run or something, I have noticed in the fourth quarter he's taken a lot more timely timeouts. Um, but still the play calls, you got to call more plays. And, Maybe they called more plays this one than other games, and we just missed the shots. That could be. But I think overall, this isn't a Finch has got to get his head out of his ass or like we were talking about last week, I think we should move on or some dumb stuff like that. But I will say, I think now that we got the point guard, that is a true point guard, we should run more plays. So I think it all kind of, you know, levels out to that. But, yeah, man, I mean – it's going to be extremely difficult to have a winning record down the stretch if we don't have Cat because of the D-low trade. It does leave us short on scores, like dependable 20 to 30-point type guys. Conley's just steady. He can go for 20, no doubt. But um, And I think you're right. The fit is there. And, and kind of moving to that, him and you can tell right away. You, you can clearly see him and Gobert played a lot together, um, even in that first game, but just overall. So that – I like how that's really, you know, plugged in early on this stuff. And they're going to it, but they're not overly abusing it because, you know, you have Ant and other people that you want to get the ball to. But I also think, I mean, like I was saying earlier, 
Rudy, Rudy, Rudy. I mean, this guy on both sides of the ball is coming together, and we're seeing the results early on with Conley here in that connection. And, man, it, he went on like a like 14 straight buckets for two games, you know? I mean, he's really tuned all the way in, and, and now that it feels like he's a little bit more healthier with that groin, um, I only see good things coming with that, and we still only have like 20 games or 19 games where Cat and Rudy even played together. It's the pick and roll that we thought we'd see with – with D'Angelo, but we didn't, you know, we'd never really materialized from time to time. It would make it its appearance, but a steady dose of high pick and roll with, with uh, Connolly and Gobert seems to work. You know, he, he might not be quick on his role, but he gets down there. He gets lobs. You can, you can bounce pass it to him. He's got good, good enough hands. I mean, he's got pretty slow feet from watching him all season. You know, you can start to see a little bit that his feet aren't the greatest, but you know, he's got the size and he can get, Bunnies, like we expected, Chris. That's what we expected uh, at the beginning of the season to just kind of be there to suck up everything around the rim, rebound, get bunnies, and and do pick and rolls. And, and that's kind of what it's morphed into now. Somebody can utilize Gobert. Now he's not going to be a thirty-point scorer night. He might have one of those, but he's you know he's not going to be something. But like you said, offensive options here are the thing. And you know Russell on a good night gave you. 29 30 something like that on a bad night you can get 15 with some assists or something like that you don't really have that yet and that's you know that's cat there that's the role that we need we need another score it can't be all and mcdaniels isn't quite there yet as a score although i think that will develop Mm -hmm. um and then you get the bench guys you got noel and those guys who can come and give you a spark but you're right we're down that that's to mention all the offensive possibilities you can do now with Connolly, Cat, and Gobert. I'm excited to see that if Cat comes back. I think it's still questionable. I know you went over the, the whole injury with it, but it's like, uh, yeah, are we going to see him this year? We definitely need him for the for the 20 games coming up. And like I said, the West ain't getting any easier coming down the stretch here. And you know, you got plenty of games against decent competition. I don't think it's you know as bad as that middle part, but. You know, we got four in California coming up. Those are going to be tough games. It'd be nice to have Cat there. And, you know, I don't think he's milking anything either, but, you know, I think it's 40 games, Chris, or something like that. You said that he's missed so yeah, far. Yeah, it's 41, I think. It's just really hard to get a good beat on what we have going on um, without him in there. It's such a, you know, he spreads the floor with his threes. He's decent down low. Pretty much a stretch four now with Gobert. You're thinking he's going to be, which I think he can handle that. And you need that extra scoring, rebounding, three-point shots. Drawing uh, so fouls, big, too. Drawing I mean, he was fouls. Getting, last year, he led the league as N1s as a center. Yeah, and, and a rebounder. Yeah, good call. Yeah. And that's the thing that's always kind of been the Wolves' problem is just, uh-huh. I don't know if it's effort or talent. Um, I mean, last know, year it felt like size played a, a part, obviously. We had sure. a guard lineup, and nobody's tall in that lineup, and then – either McDaniels or Vando, who's undersized that power forward, but we can make all those excuses, and that is some of there, but honestly, like, a lot of it's just effort and fundamentals and not just sitting there looking at the ball, and you're like, hey, dude, block that guy out. You're right by him. You know, some of it's just lackadaisical. And that's a disappointing thing, I think, uh, about Gobert is that I, I was expecting more from him on the offensive boards, uh, and I'm not seeing a great deal of it. Um, you know, I don't know what his stats are. He probably is I mean, better than I, I think, think he is. I think everybody else on the team because he's been right where he normally rebounds and all that. 
right? He doesn't really move spots too much. But there's um, nothing. He, he's doing his job rebounding. It's everybody else. Yeah, yeah, you I can't guess just so. Leave it on him, you know. Like, hey, man, go get that, you know. Yeah, well, just thinking about Cat too. I mean, he gets in there and gets some offensive boards too, and yeah. defensive boards, and he also you know, outlets Wanks. the break and everything else. The things True. that Rudy can't do, it seems like Cat can do, and the things that Cat can't does can't do or doesn't want to do, Rudy does. And it's like the dirty work and the stuff like that. And that's kind of how it's supposed to work, and it just hasn't been there. And I know Cat's got the the high whatever calf sprain, but and I know that could be tricky. So I'm not gonna you know dance on his grave or you know get on his case about it. But man. We're not going to know. It was Wojo. The reason why, and that's why he's a little angered too, the team never released anything, no dates at all. Wojo said four to six weeks originally. So that's why everyone's like, what the hell? But it's been, you know, I I heard Barrero uh, like 10 days ago. I was kind of disappointed because he didn't do the research on it. He he asked Conley, so what's up with this? What's up with that? And, and why did the team release this? And And that's just not true. The team never released anything. They said out indefinitely. That's all they said. They never released any kind of weeks or nothing. They still haven't even talked about a fully because, I mean, this is kind of how it works now. But, like, it, and I'm not, uh, you know, pointing to you about this. I just noticed this a lot where it's like even a guy like that's so well-read and so well-researched and has been around the damn sport of, bas- sport of basketball for so long, like Barrera, and I respect him in so many ways. For him to not even do that research is kind of like a bummer to me. Um, but overall, you're right. I mean, we, we still we need him. Size, length, whatever. And also, there's going to be times where, you know, they're not going to be playing together the whole time, right? We're going to rotate, so we can always have a big in there. One thing I, that's kind of interesting, you know how we were talking about the drop defense for the center and Rudy and everybody else plays that high wall or that kind of like in between that? Well, the last few games, we actually saw Rudy going out of his comfort zone and playing the high wall as a center, and that was kind of interesting. It was all, his, uh, his high wall defense where he jumps out on his screen is, almost looks like a trap, which I think is actually pretty smart because he's not the most you know, flat-footed and he can't get out there as quick, even as, as quick as Cat. But um, – that's really good, and I, I'm really interested to see how that goes. It does seem like our defense is really tightened up, but like you said, we need that extra firepower with uh, with Cat to come back because it is it's a tough one, man. It's going to be tough if he's not back. Like I said, that March third, just double checking. So two Fridays from now, we play at Lakers. If he's not, that gives them 13 weeks. If he's not back by then, man, whew. I mean it. I don't know. I, I don't know what we're gonna do in that five game stretch. At Golden State, Clippers, Lakers, sack, and then oh, you get to come home. Yeah, but you're playing Philly. You know. Yeah, and it's the spacing too. You know, that's what I'm mostly looking forward to. Is yeah, if you sure. want to run that pick and roll, you're gonna need space, and that's what Cat will bring. He'll draw a defender, and mm-hmm. you'll have and an extra more space too. Yeah, one less guy down there to. uh get in your way and Ant can get to the hoop and do what he wants to do. And, you know, it's just the thing what's like, okay, we're, it's a hurry up and wait situation with Cat. And, you know, obviously you want to get him back and hopefully he will. March 3rd seems like a great time, if any time to get him back, but you want him healthy because you don't want to break him down again. And uh, so, you know, let's get him well and get him back and then take a look at, at what we've got. Of course, then you're going to have to take a couple of games to get 
of that all together. But, you know, I guess if they get some practice in, it probably shouldn't take too long to, to integrate everybody. But, you know, it's just such a big part now, even more of a part, I think now, because I think the scoring of Russell, like you mentioned earlier, kind of covered up the lack of cat. But now, you know, that scoring is gone. You can't ask Connolly to give you, you know, what, uh, Russell gave you points wise. Um, he's just not going to be able to do that. And that's really not his style of play. So now with this type of point guard, you want to start to add all the complementing parts and see how it all fits together. And you can't do that. So it's a hurry up and wait for cat. And, you know, I think it, in the end, it's going to work out good. It's just, you know, if he, if we get down to 10 games and he's not back, you know, that what, it's hard to tell yeah. that first 10 games, how it could have been or what could have been. And you, you know, any way you slice and you wonder it, if you, you even bring him back at that point, you know? Right, exactly, and it depends on where you are in the play-in slash seating arrangement. Yeah, you know, and that can all fall with an extra three or four games that he doesn't play. So again, we're just around waiting for Cat, and you know, um, on a on a lighter note, I mean, it was pretty exciting, Chris, to uh, see LeBron uh, give a nod to uh, our boy Ant. I mean, that was a little surprising to me. I Obviously, I think Ed is very deserving of any kind of praise he gets, but I thought that was pretty high praise from LeBoner to pick him first on his squad. Yeah, I mean, they picked the reserves first, but yeah, for sure. They they actually did it different this year, which I think is smart because the last couple of years they've done it where it's like a show and they're both on camera. It's not during the game or before yeah. the game. And a lot it has been LeBron and Giannis mostly. I think Durant was one year, but they don't want it. Like, you know, you're, they don't want the schoolyard situation. So who got picked last, you know? Well, see, that's what I thought it was, but apparently it wasn't. Well, that it, it was that, actually, but the way they played it out, they made it look like it wasn't. Because before, they'd name your, they'd bring your starters, and then they'd, they'd go one by one by one, but it would show the last person, basically. Whereas this is kind of like it went in reverse order. So it, oh, okay. It was, I kind of like how they did it because there was I got was it I can't remember the player, but like both of them didn't want to pick him, you know, because they don't like the guy, and they're both looking at it like, uh, you gonna pick him? I'm gonna, I gotta pick him, I guess. It was pretty yeah. funny, but you're right. Yeah, I liked I liked how that was, and it, overall, it was a great experience. Um, I did like for Ant, you know, like having him go through that, and I do think he had that kicker in his deal deal where once he makes the All Star game. Next year, he's going to have a shoe. So that's always cool for the young man. And I liked his little gear he had on, the 1989 Tim Rules, uh I think it was like a jacket or something like that. That was pretty dope. But uh, he also spoke of like, hey, man, if you're 80%, you got to go. Like, there's, I'm sick of, you know, players. Like, I get it if you're, if you're truly injured and you need a couple days off, no big deal. Or down the stretch of a season, you take five games off. You deal with some stuff. Shaq used to do that. A lot of players used to do that. People kind of forget about that. But that was usually down the stretch of the season, not during the season in the load management thing. And we do got to remember, though, one of the most, you know, witty and clever coaches of all time, one of the best coaches of all time, Pop. Popovich is the one who came up with load management. So, uh, you know, everybody calmed down a little bit there. But it, it was kind of cool how he said, you know, if you got to – chance to play play man because if you're not banged up to the point where you can't you can play just play because you know that could be just that one time 
you know, the, the parents or the mom or the dad, you know, brings the kid to the game and then you don't, you know, you're not there. You're not even playing sometimes you're not in the building and that does suck, you know. So that was kind of cool. A lot of people got behind him on that. Um, and just overall, I think we said this earlier, just the need, no matter if we win, lose, whoever we're playing, just close the quarters better too, just in general, because that is so key. We talked about the half court stuff on offense and defense and how key that is. Uh, in the playoffs, well, closing quarters. I mean, that, that's what it comes down to. It. So, um, any other items before we preview this Charlotte and Golden State, which I I do feel like we're going to go one on one or one one and one in this little stretch here. Uh, no, I mean, I did notice as he was making that uh, that quote you said about the load management. Uh, he was wearing Kevin Garnett shirt. And I'm wondering if, if KG's on the phone with him at all. Because if you get KG on the phone, it, you're probably going to, yeah. you know, you know, he's going to have some things to say. And yeah, I really, you know, I'm just sad that he's not more involved with, with the franchise. And I think he wants to be. And that's, that's the sad yeah. part about it is it's like, you know, totally. he wants to be part. He probably wants to be, you know, hyping amped and doing all that other stuff, but he can't do it because of bullshit with Taylor and all that stuff. So again, we're not going to go down that road of, uh, you know, KG versus Taylor, but I think we know where we stand on that, where most of us stand on that, and we'll just let that go. And now the Golden State, this little run here, Chris, I don't know how far you want to go down into it. Uh, Charlotte Golden State is what you brought up. so Well, yeah, just because we have a show Monday, so you know those right. are the two games in between because we have this long break here, this week off. Much-needed yeah. week off, right? <laughs> right. But, you know, Golden State kicks off that whole California thing, and we'll get into that, but Charlotte, you know, I don't know. I I don't know what to think of them. I mean, as far as, you know, I just want to see, this is what I'll, I'll say about these two games. You know, it could very easily be the reverse of the of the Dallas-Washington thing, where you go out and you, you lose to Charlotte and beat Golden State. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. okay. It could very easily be that. In fact, it might actually be that. Um, because it is sort of analogous teams, although I think Golden State's got presents different challenges than Dallas. But essentially, you know, we always play Golden State pretty tough. Um mm-hmm. Charlotte exact you know I'm thinking one and one here, just you know, Chris, which one is the win and which one is the loss? Yeah, I don't really yeah. know. You want you want to say they'll you'll beat Charlotte and you'll lose to Golden State. Um but you know judging from the Dallas Washington series of games, it, you could lose to Charlotte and, and, and beat Golden State. I, I think one and one here is, is where it's at, Chris. And uh, whichever way you get it, obviously you probably want to beat Golden State if you had to pick. Um, That's true. Just standings alone kick them down further. Yeah. But, you know, it'd be nice to go 2-0 and here. I really think it's possible. It depends yeah. on how you catch Golden State. But, you know, sometimes they have down nights or – or whatever, but, uh, you know, playing them at home is going to be tough. Too, so that helps. But, you know, Ant's always dropping 30 down in Echo yeah, State. or more. You know, one yeah. way or another. It's true. So, you know, yeah, remember that one game two years ago, I was like, I'm about to go for 50. You said Dr. Curry. <laughs> so I'm going for 50 in this game, just so you know. So uh, I'm going to go – I'm just going to say chalk. You beat, you beat Charlotte, you lose to Golden State, and I won't be surprised if the reverse is actually how it happens. Yeah. I agree. I think uh, I think that could totally happen as far as, the like you said, the reverse. Uh, you know, do I feel, if we beat Charlotte, do I feel better about, hey, we can go to them, of course. But the way this team is, until they get out of this little weird vibe they got going with that, 
good, bad, good, you know, good game, bad game stuff. I'm with you. One and one um, overall. Moving on to the Gophers, who um, it's been kind of all over the place. You know, they have four freshmen from last year. They've been playing a lot of minutes. And uh, I really like, like, throughout the year, you know, Henley had a good start, then kind of fell off, long, linky guard, and, and now Lately's had some nice games. Um, but the four freshmen overall, looking at him, maybe like the the all – he was Mr. Basketball Kid – I think he he started out good, kind of kind of fell off. That's probably the only guy that hasn't been productive uh, in the last maybe month or two, like the other freshmen have. But I do like what I see out of these four freshmen, and obviously we have a top, depending on the recruiting service, right? The, a top twenty or top thirty player big man coming in. And noticing earlier in the year, going back in the January, there was some, you know. We, we'd lose games, of course. We've lost a bunch of them, but, you know, at Wisconsin, 63-60. to 60. Nebraska, 81-79. to 79. We did get a win over Ohio State, 70-67. to 67. Um, You know, we had back-to-back games where it looked like we got our ass kicked, and we did ultimately. Um, now, the Purdue game was a little closer than that, um, but then we had all these tight games. Michigan, at Michigan, 60-56, to 60-57. to 57. With Indiana, and I really like what I saw of them just battling, playing hard. You know, earlier in the season they would be right in the game, then the team would go on like that. The the opponent would go on like a twelve to two run, but then we grind our way back, and it kind of just you can kind of see the difference as far as uh, just having so much youth, and even some of these veterans haven't been able to play a ton of minutes together until late. Um, because of some injuries we've had, too. So there was this stretch, though, where Northwestern, who, by the way, got their 11th win in conference, first time they've had 11 wins since 1931, I think it was. Uh, but there was a stretch, Aaron, where it was like 81-61, to 90-55, to 81-46. to 46, It was just like, oh, my God. Um, we can't be getting our ass kicked that bad. And, you know, I've liked the effort out of Iowa – and Penn State in those two games. Um, I did like what I saw there, and I don't know, man. I, you know, there we just – this is all about, you know, really year one. Like you said, we said before, year zero was last year to use the Fleck thing. That picket went off on us for Penn State. He's been going off on everybody. But um, Garcia has come back. You know, he started out re- – when, when Battle wasn't there – he started out really good. Then all of a sudden, when Battle came back, who's still struggling with this three, by the way, since that injury, um, it seems like Garcia, when he's not the number one guy, it kind of he, – he was going through a little issues. Then he played great. Then he got hurt for like four straight games. Came back. I think this is his second game back. Had a good game against Penn State, 23-7, and seven, um, 9 of 14 overall. Um, and Cooper's still getting a lot of assists. He, you know, he actually had four block shots in that game, which was pretty crazy. But Payne, I'd say the Ola Joseph and Payne have been by far the two top freshmen, though. And in that game, off the bench, 30 minutes, 7 to 12, Aaron, for, for Payne, 18 and 10 with six assists from a big. Um, so, yeah, th- those two, man, they're showing me a lot. In battle, Cooper and Garcia, they're all not going pro. So I, I like the core, 
But the morale thing, they need to, down the stretch of this season, Aaron, they just need to collect a win, maybe two. It's going to be tough tonight out of Illinois. At Maryland's tough. But Nebraska, Rutgers, and Wisconsin, you know, winning one, we got to win one of those games. Winning two out of three, that'd be crazy. It's hard to call that right now, though, right, <laughs> at Nebraska. But um, lately I like what I've seen. They went through that weird spot. Um, but I like this team for next year as far as competing in the Big Ten and at least being on the bubble. And in year three, Ben Johnson, I think he's going to have to do that at minimum, you know, because then it gets a little shaky if you have only three or four wins next yeah, I mean, there it is. I mean, I'm glad you brought up morale because it's not only the team's morale, but I mean, I think the fans' morale here is, is something else. I, you really did put a nice little uh, bow on it all. I, I mean, the freshmen are nice, and yeah, you got some recruits coming in, and that's uh, encouraging. Um, Garcia and Battle, hopefully they'll be back, Cooper and so on. But it's, you know, we thought we were going to see this program build in this slow incremental pace, which is kind of what we're seeing with some home recruits and guys like that sort of modeled around possibly what Iowa does on a year to year basis. Uh, and, you know, go freshman to senior and have some of those guys and not necessarily every once in a while, you'll get a guy who will, uh, you know, pop up and, and get drafted or something. But for the most part, you're dealing with just kind of, you know, talent that, isn't necessarily going to be one and done or anything like that. And, and I like that idea because, you know, uh, Patino would go for some high talent, but he never really got, you know, the blue chip guys. He kind of got maybe that, that second tier, that third tier uh, of recruit. And I think that's what you kind of have to build with. Now, I really don't think the problem here is, is coaching yet. I'm not going to get into the, to the coaching situation. I think a lot of people are falsely giving Ben Johnson a hard time. Uh, he just doesn't have the personnel at, at the moment. And I think that's changing. And he does have some personnel. Don't get me wrong, but they're young and inexperienced. They need to work. And Big Ten is no joke. That's one thing Patino said that was absolutely correct. Um, and you know, it's going to take some time. I think you're right though, Chris. I mean, if you go into year three and you're still kind of like, if we're still talking about the program building and, and so on and so forth without any real tangible results, uh, as far as wins go, I'm not saying you got to be, you know, be top. You just got to win more than three games. Yeah, you know, to make people got to be in the middle happy, of the pack you know, or something. You know, middle of the pack or maybe Lighten just a jump heels, up. You know, <laughs> yeah, or just a jump up, perhaps, uh, just so that we can see some improvement. I really think that will happen, Chris. But I think you're right about next year happening. And again, dude, they've got. We just it's injuries, and you gotta stay healthy here. And you can't do that. You can't be injured and, and have your team, you know, try to surge in a, a I mean, the big, big, big 10 basketball is a rough basketball. It's not high flying. It's, it's, you know, rebounding and defense and, and, uh, smart plays and point guards and, and what have you. That's how it works in the big 10. And like, cause you have some nice pieces with Garcia and battle. Those are nice. And then some of the freshman pain, like you said, is coming along. Those are guys that, you want to build around, and then you got the the big kid coming in who hopefully can can get up to speed quick. But I think if you get that going, Chris, I think you can actually probably make a little bit of noise in the Big Ten, at least not be doormats. And I think that's what everybody is is desperately uh, looking forward to. 
Exactly. The doormats. That's a good way to put it. Man, when you look at the – like, Payne and Joseph already have the Ola Joseph. They already have the, the Big Ten body. They really do. And then you got, like, Henley, who's, you know, a little skinny, but, dude, 6'7". You know what I mean? Like, they got a lot of length. And even Thompson, who's, you know, probably be just like a backup, especially with a, a center coming in. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you're looking at seven guys who played a lot of minutes. I think, uh, like I said, uh, uh, what is the Carrington? That's the guy, um, the guard. You know, I think he, he's got a little time to develop, obviously. He'll be coming off the bench anyway because uh, Cooper, you know, who's had yeah, a solid year. Yep. Yeah, so, I mean, he's played the most minutes, by the way. Um, but, yeah, to, to have Garcia miss the stretch, battle to start out, then Garcia miss the stretch, with two out of your three vets, Cooper, Battle, Garcia, if you lose two out of three throughout the year, it is a little rough there. So we have been kind of leaning on guys that aren't, you know, like Ramberg and Thompson and even Samuels who, you know, shot pretty well from three and is, is a veteran guard or whatever, but not at the, the power five. Uh, you know, he came in off of a transfer. So, um, yeah, man, it's really about next year. And that's an important year. And, and it's not about, well, we got to, we got to finish sixth or fourth or, you know, like what you were saying, it's just, you gotta, you gotta be competitive. You gotta be competitive the whole time and get some of these wins. And, and then I think it can turn. And when you have six guys, sophomore or freshman will be on the squad next year. All these four freshmen will have a lot of experience. Yeah, I do like, it's like we're building from inside and we're going to return a lot of talent. So then the excuses about year zero and what happened there, you know, gets thrown out. And I know a lot, especially at the start of the year when New Mexico was doing really good um, and they were ranked and stuff like that. You know, there's four or five players you could point to like, oh, they went there, they went there, and they're at New Mexico. And damn, dude, why? you know, why we lost all this talent, dude. It's like, yeah, but remember – we had all those guys, and we were 15 and 16 with Patino that year, 16 and 17. So, and right now, Patino is all of a sudden 7 and 7 or whatever in that, in their fifth place now when they were ranked, and, you know, they, they were like 18 and 2. So he's kind of doing. like that for him, too. Exactly. He's kind of yeah, doing the same exactly thing. what the hell happened. Exactly. So you're like, hmm, feels a little different now that we're in late February. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly the, the MO that he had here. They come out hot. You know, and then fade towards the end of the season. And, you know, you just watch him go down and down in the standings after you're all hyped up about it. And I'm not saying, I mean, I, I thought he was a good coach. I didn't try to run him out of town or anything. But, you know, I, I like the idea of the program here because I think you, with Patino, he was yeah, maybe try to recruit above a little too much in hindsight. You know, going back, it's like, okay, maybe you don't need Jelly Fam, you know. Maybe you can get a guy, you know, from – you know, St. Cloud, who's a good point guard who can, you know, run, you can develop over four years. And I think that's kind of the direction that we're at here. And it's more sustainable, I think. And yeah, we don't want at, one and done, right? Yeah. I mean, if you look at Iowa, Wisconsin, uh, teams that are analogous, and then if you start to like you improve, Chris, and you start to get into maybe the top third of the Big Ten, well, then your recruiting base goes up, you get better players in. You know, and that makes helps maybe helps you make the jump uh, even higher in the Big Ten. So, you know, the first year last year, Chris, like you said, year zero or I guess whatever it was, yeah, he didn't have anybody, so you got you can't count that out. He had basically put a team together with with uh, duct tape, and then 
the second year now here, okay, starting to see the semblance of, okay, we've got some freshmen. They look promising. Uh, got some vets to kind of lean on. The third year now you're promising freshmen are now sophomores and, you know, so on down the line as these guys develop and you keep them healthy and you go forward. Uh, next year should be a year where they make a market improvement. Now, if you think they're going to be top third of the Big Ten, you, you know, that'd be very shocking. Um, that means that freshman was damn good who right. came in. Um, but you want to see him in, in the middle middle of the pack somewhere, you know, and I think everybody will be fairly happy with that. And another good recruiting class, you think maybe you can make that jump to where you want to be. And So that's kind of the the thing with, with the squad. Now, the flip side of that, Chris, is if you get the kid in, and uh, you go through injuries again, and let's say you get snake bit somehow. I mean, what's that mean for Johnson, the program, et cetera? Yeah. You know, sure. it could be it's a slippery slope there. You're kind of on a knife's edge. Because mm-hmm. basketball is not like football where, you know, Fleck can come in and say, give me four years. I got the youngest team in America, and now I got, right. you know, the oldest team in America. You don't necessarily get. You don't uh, need to gain 40 pounds when you get into college all the time, you know, like you do no. Then you get 15 players, and either, you know, they're working yeah. or they're not, and. You know, I think he's got good assistant coaches. I think he's a good coach. I, I think it's good. I think it's going to work. Um, you know, it's recruiting and you can't, you know, it's one of those things. It's kind of like you got to spend money to make money. You know, you got to, yeah. you got to, you got to win to get players. And, um, you know, you're lucky maybe this kid, you know, is, likes the program and, and everything. And that's great. And that's how you build it. But, um, you know, you got to. Yeah. He was a late you, riser too. So we got him early. Yeah, you so, gotta hope that one good thing leads to another. Yeah, I won't start judging Johnson until next year. You know, if we don't have a pretty decent year next year, then it's like, hmm, hold on now, because he came in as a pedigreed coach, as like the uh, assistant head coach type guy. Uh, even got some talented guys to Nebraska of all places at, in that role. Played, you know, was a good coach and a very much uh, an important part of the coaching staff on Marquette. So his pedigree's there. He's already proven he can recruit. These four guys are legit they brought in. And next year, top 20, top 30 player at center. So, I mean, that's pretty dope. So the recruiting, we know he's got that. That was no joke. We knew it wasn't a joke. Now we're going to find out if he can coach coach, not just be a pretty good coach, but a one that can hang and have an extension and all that stuff. Um, but, yeah, I, I liked how you said not just morale in the team, not just the morale in the fans, but the morale, you know, for him, too. It's, he was brought in as a guy who didn't uh, coach at a mid-major for four years or something, you know, where you've already been the head coach and you've already done that. You've already overachieved with talent that you weren't be able to bring in because you're not in a power conference, and then you get the job. That's why we couldn't get, you know, many great or, or we couldn't hold on to our team like Carr and whatnot, but also it's tough to get high quality talent in here that's already proven because they, it's like I don't blame the kid because they're like, I don't know, dude's never been a head coach, you know, so I'm going to go someplace else, whether they're here or coming here. So, um, but the recruiting has been solved, no doubt about it. And like I said, those three vets, uh, hopefully they're healthy next year too and, and, and come back. But yeah, I think the, I think we're on the up and up. No doubt we can only go up from here if you look at our record. But, yeah, man, next year I think the pressure will definitely be applied, no doubt about it. Any last words before we get out of here, sir? Oh, you mentioned Carr. Boy, he'd be nice right now. 
to be a nice, a nice player to add to that mix. But, uh, you know, it's like, uh, no, I obviously, you know, he'd rather be on a team that's tied with Kansas in the Big 12 for the, for the, yeah, I mean, I don't blame him. But, uh, no, great show. Uh, check us out on Spotify, uh, Rope Dope Radio, all the good stuff. And, uh, we'll talk to you guys next week.